Welcome to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode 55, and I'm here again with our pastors, John Payne and Ross Hodges. And so today, what we want to talk about is a topic that is uh, personal to all of us, and that would be the concept or topic of disciplines or spiritual disciplines in the Christian life. So we first kind of open up our discussion by asking the basic question, what are some of the more basic things or disciplines that Christians should commit themselves to? So, of course, God's word is at the center of the Christian life or should be in every respect. I would say um, maybe this isn't typically considered a spiritual discipline, but uh, as we've talked about before on the program, um, just Lord's Day piety, Lord's Day uh, observance, Lord's Day worship, making uh, the, the Christian Sabbath a, a priority in your week and and setting aside that day for the worship uh, of God with his people. And, um, I, you know, we would certainly say in our circles and with our convictions that that should be at the top of the priority chain uh, is the the sitting under the preaching of God's word and um, devoting uh, that day uh, to the Lord. Discipline is often a word that sounds pejorative in Mm. the ears of modern Christians. They think uh, uh, boring or strenuous or, uh, you know, feeling like a sort of like a straight jacket. They're not able to really be free in Christ if they're having to worry about disciplines. But actually... It's a wrong way to think about it because right. disciplines actually bring freedom. That's right. The freedom to keep your priorities in check, the freedom uh, to walk with God with greater uh, knowledge, wisdom, love, and strength. And so the spiritual disciplines, as it were, should not be uh, looked upon or uh, in a negative way, they should. Uh, we need to recapture this idea. I think for the modern church that That's we great. would be uh, Christians who have the spiritual disciplines. Ross mentioned a couple already: Bible reading, uh, Lord's Day observance, uh, so important. Uh, but there are other things like uh, like prayer and mm-hmm. uh, fasting and journaling and uh, the discipline of. Uh, hospitality. Uh, there are all kinds of, of things we could talk about that that won't just happen mm-hmm. because the the world is so full of distractions. Our lives are so busy in 21st mm-hmm. century American life, and so in order to keep our priorities out in front, mm-hmm. we have to have disciplines. That's mm-hmm. right. So when we talk about uh, disciplines, it, this goes back to our broader discussion on sanctification. Yes. Now, we can definitely affirm that no one is sanctified apart from the grace of God Amen. being poured into their life. But what we also must affirm as well is that there is very true and real effort applied to that. Yes. And when we talk about spiritual disciplines, what we're describing is how does a person discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness? And that's one of the major sort of texts you see from the Apostle Paul. Yes. And Paul speaks about the disciplined Christian life very often in his actual epistles. And it comes out in terms of what's said to ministers in particular, to study, show yourself approved, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Yes. 
But it's also the application applies to any Christian whatsoever. If one wants to grow in the Christian life, we can even take a natural example. You don't get better at something just by sitting there. <laughs> you get better at something by self-control, practice, and concentrated efforts. It's true in a worldly sense. So examples would be, uh, for instance, we know we have uh, people in the congregation who have played musical instruments. You don't right. become good at playing music and instruments by just wishing you were better. So, that, so that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you become better because, you know, when I was younger, you I practiced about two and a half hours a day. And that practice over a long period of time yields large benefits. In the Christian life, there's an analogy to that. It's not the, you know, flash that occurs instantly in which you grow leaps and bounds. It's the regular disciplined routines that you have in your Christian life that over a large and long period of time, you see the actual sanctification process come to life in essence. Yes, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 encourages his disciple, uh, Timothy. He says, uh, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame mm. the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control or mm. self-discipline, as mm -hmm. some of the translations would uh, set forth. And uh, so what does this mean, to fan into flame? Well, it certainly doesn't uh, mean that we sit back and do nothing <laughs> and let go and let God, as yeah. the old mantra uh, goes. Uh, we are to be active in our uh, walk with God and our spirituality. Yeah, I mean, we, we want to make clear from the outset that what we're speaking of here, <clears throat> as Gabe has mentioned, is, is certainly all of grace, that uh, we are believers, we are spiritually alive because of the grace of God in Christ. Um, and, and so we're not working to become Christians, we're not working to earn God's favor or anything of the sort, but... Uh, we are called to, uh, as you say, fan into flame, that flame that the Lord has put in us and, uh, you know, by his grace. And so um, what is the fuel for that flame? That's really the question that, that we're asking here. What, what are those things that God has said, uh, this, uh, is, this is part of what I have given you to grow you, to mature you, mm -hmm. to strengthen you, to mm -hmm. really to... to uh, strengthen those bonds that you have to Christ, that um, that you are abiding in Christ, and so um, kind of circling back around here, um, the the Word of God being a central place in our life. Right. Yes, uh, this year we uh, had our reading challenge, mm -hmm. where we uh, encouraged our congregation to uh, read uh, various books, and one of those uh, is called "The Habits of Grace" by David. Mathis, uh, subtitled Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things that were an encouragement uh, in this book? So the first, uh, I think one of the things to emphasize is that when the concept of spiritual disciplines comes up, there sometimes gives the impression that there's kind of a mysterious uh, knowledge you have to have in order to really be mature. But what the book is really describing is what we have always called the ordinary means of grace. Where we have the Word of God, and the Word of God that is read privately. So think of our normal, uh, regular, private devotions and what we read. 
We have the word of God heard, which is why it's a good discipline to be in your local church and going to Lord's Day worship. We have prayer, which is both the prayers that you are doing, private devotions, and also the prayers that come from your pastor. That's part of it because all of those are for your benefit and for your sanctification. And then we talk about the word and prayer, the context that you should curse in is within the context of the church. So fellowship becomes important. Fellowship and hospitality. So that's nothing that has that's nothing new in terms of Christian uh, language and sanctification. But what's kind of being said here is that if you take a lax attitude to those three things, you should not expect any real sense of growth and mm-hmm. discipline and godliness. Yeah, so we we have good habits in our lives and we have bad habits. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to cultivate good habits as Christian believers? Well, it's important to cultivate them because they don't happen just naturally. Yes. You know, this is the things that happen naturally are, are usually the bad habits. So, the <laughs> yes. oversleeping, the over entertainment, the, the messy room, the messy exactly. Yeah, those those are the easy things. the The things that um, that are for our spiritual benefit and growth are not the easy things most of the time. And it's not easy to to get up while it is still dark, uh, to, to wake up enough to have your mind engaged with the Lord in His Word and in prayer, uh, to to go to bed early enough to make that happen, to turn off the TV or to, you know, whatever it happens to be. That Those things are not easy. And so... So what do you say to the person that says, well, I'm just not a morning person, so I'm, I'm just not going to be able to read my Bible in the mornings. What do you say to that person? Well, I would ask, like, why? I mean, why are you not a morning person? Is it because, you know, you're, you're wasting four hours at night, every night, you know, on entertainment and that sort of thing? Um, and, it, you know, I, I mean, I would, I, I, I would want to be careful being legalistic and saying you have to read your Bible in the morning. That's the only time you can do it. Um, what and, if someone in the army told their commander that they were not a morning person? Well, that, that probably then? yeah probably wouldn't go so well. Would they have to form new habits? He, yes, they would have to form new habits. <laughs> uh, and so uh, y- y- we can form new habits. We can uh, oftentimes when we say I'm not a this person and I'm not a that person, we mean it's not my preference. That's what I right. don't like. Yeah. That's not easy for me. Right. Well, I believe yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yes. So habits of grace. We need mm-hmm. habits that will help us to walk uh, in close communion with our God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gabe, you mentioned some of those. Uh, Bible reading is, is one of them. How, mm-hmm. how, what are some practical ways that we could develop good habits in our, in our personal Bible reading? Well, I think there's a lot of things that probably can't be said. I'll speak about my own uh, personal development. Uh, when I think about my own Bible reading over the years, uh, I think as a young Christian, the most important idea was to make sure that I specifically carved out particular amounts of time to do it. And so yeah. the, the analogy that was used uh, when I was a young Christian was think about tithing. When you do tithing, mm-hmm. you usually say the tithe belongs to the Lord before I even look at the rest of my money, <laughs> so to speak. And that was the mentality that I was told as a young Christian that your time belongs to the Lord first before you get to allocate the rest of your day. And so what that meant for me was that, well, uh, if I want to dedicate myself to reading the Word of God, I need to treat it like a tree tithing. That the first chunk of time of the day, I'm going to devote to the Lord because it's His day and I'm on 
and I'm his servant. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other times which, uh, you know, circumstances come up where I may not be able to do it in the morning. That just means I have to catch up at some point in the evening. So I understand the lot. I understand when people, some people say I'm not a morning person because your mind could be in a fog and it just takes you about 20 yeah. minutes to catch up. Nasty, I'm an evening person. So that means if I want to really study and to be profitable, uh, it's most likely going to occur late in the evening. Mm-hmm. So staying up an extra hour later rather than waking up an extra hour earlier. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends upon uh, knowing yourself well. The second thing I would say in terms of improving your Bible reading, and it's the it's the oldest thing you've ever heard probably, but you just had to read it. Yeah. <laughs> the, way, the only way to do it is to do it? Yeah, and, exactly. And I just mentioned too in terms of the evening time, mm-hmm. and I, I, I agree with you on that. However, the problem with waiting until the end of the day is the problem we all know about. And that oh, yeah. is that at the end of the day, we, our mind has been flooded with a thousand cares mm-hmm. that we're trying to spend time with our family, that there are all these pressures and pulls <laughs> and tugs in mm-hmm. different areas. And so you find yourself really not able to carve out that time in the evenings yeah. for a lot of people, I yeah. think. for a lot of people. And that's why ultimately <laughs> you have to discipline it somewhere. You have to carve it somewhere. And that's the beginning of uh, some very basic sort of discipline is however you carve it out, you have to be the one that says, this is the time not mm-hmm. for myself. So that means you may have to have preparation time for yeah. that. So that means you if you're the sort of person who does this in the evening, that means you're not going to have to you know, play for kids, spend time with your wife, and then go to the Bible. You're going to have to have some sort of transition time so that you've kind of done away with the thoughts of the day and focused upon God. That's why probably for most people, the morning is the best time because you haven't really started to do all that processing. But if you do in the evening, you're going to have to do that same basic process. Stop your uh, rest of the day thinking, and now you have mind, heart devoted uh, to the Lord. Sometimes people talk about making an appointment with God. Mm -hmm. And if you make an appointment, you need to keep that appointment, right? Mm Well, Ross, what are some of the things that you've done uh, over the years in your quiet times that have been encouragement to your soul? Yeah, so uh, I think, um, just to let me finish out a thought here on what's just been said. I think planning, and, and this this is certainly the case for me, <clears throat> planning is really important. Just thinking ahead, mm-hmm. um, making sure that I'm not just going to be try- trying to sort of fly by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. uh, to, to make time to be... Uh, in the word, the times when I fail or the times when I've, you know, failed to plan well. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, stop blaming everybody else uh, for for not doing it, uh, mm-hmm. for, for not spending time with the Lord. That's my knee-jerk reaction as a sinner is to, you know, if I realize that uh, I'm not spending as, as much time in the word as I should or prayer, is to, to say, well, if my kids were such and so, or mm-hmm. if my schedule was so and so. and mm-hmm. Well, no, it's... It, it's it's up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to own that. So, as far as specific things that have been encouraging over the years, um, having a uh, a varied diet of of reading of of Bible reading and then even devotional reading. Um, there's been times when I, this wasn't necessarily part of kind of an early morning devotion time or, or whatnot, but adding in things like Christian biography um, mm-hmm. and and other literature like that. Uh, 
at times uh, tools or, or resources like the Valley of Vision uh, have been Puritan helpful. Prayers. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a collection of Puritan prayers. Um, those can help sort of get your mind and heart engaged uh, in in certain in certain ways that can be helpful. Um, Bible reading plans that uh, that take you from uh, Old to New Testament uh, and so forth and so on. Those things are all have all been helpful um, and. Uh, you know, just continuing to try to uh, to vary it up uh, and not just fall into a, uh, I guess, a, a ditch where you're just kind of checking off a box, uh, but where your your heart and your mind are both engaged. Yeah, we can all get in ruts mm-hmm. in our in our personal devotions, and you know, um, yeah, read various portions of scripture. Sometimes read broadly. Sometimes mm-hmm. read with more depth. I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing kind of a broad Bible reading right now, mm-hmm. but there have been times where I've stopped for a year and studied one book of the Bible yeah. uh, with commentaries and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are different things that, that you can uh, that you can do. Um, what are some other things we need to think about with spiritual disciplines? I think uh, prayer is one of the more central things. And kind of going back to a Bible reading, uh, a large part of discipline is preparation. And so you notice in the athletic analogy that like 70% of the game is the preparation beforehand. And when I think about uh, profiting from the word in particular, I think about how much preparation did I do beforehand. Mm. And, you know, we, we notice, doctrinally speaking, when we speak about the, ne- the needs to have our eyes open to understand the scriptures. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit primarily. Mm-hmm. And the practical sense that comes because you have laid before the Lord, you have come to him humbly, and you've asked, Lord, you know, there are certain passages of the Bible that are very difficult for me to understand. Open my eyes and ears. So there's a preparation side to that. And prayer has one side helps you prepare for the actual word to be understood properly. But prayer also is the one of the means by which God changes you. So Oftentimes, the uh, not the kind of the uh, reaction that people have is that prayer is kind of just petitioning God for stuff. Mm-hmm. But more, I guess, accurately, prayer is the way which the soul is laid low by God, and He transforms mm-hmm. that person. And so that's why prayerlessness is such a huge problem yeah. when it comes to uh, the standard Christian growth, because. It's hard to put on the full armor of God if you're not actually laying before the Lord and actually receiving his strength on a daily basis. Yes. You know, the Bible is like a love letter from God. Mm -hmm. We've heard this before. And uh, we read our Bibles and read God's promises and glory in his grace. Um, But then often we don't talk to him. Mm -hmm. We don't respond. Really, Mm -hmm. prayer is a response a godly response Mm -hmm. to the law and promises of god Mm -hmm. uh it's a response to the law recognizing our sin Mm -hmm. and confessing that sin and admitting it recognizing it it's also a response of of uh to the promises of god that our uh our sins are atoned for in the person and work of christ and so we we pray to our god we commune with god uh through our prayers and so we want both bible reading and prayer of course to be central in our in our walk with God, that is walking with God, mm-hmm. is living by faith, and and uh, using uh, the means of grace uh, mm-hmm. to commune with God. So important that I think one habit of grace, Gabe, that 
very few Christians are thinking about in our day is um, is the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, how is this a habit of grace? How is it a spiritual discipline to observe the Lord's Day? <laughs> well, uh, it's clear discipline because in our uh, current culture, there are many things that tend to be planned on the Lord's Day that can distract you. And NFL, <laughs> NFL baseball, soccer times. <laughs> so there are many things that are meant to be distraction on the Lord's Day. And the reality is that it is the Lord's Day where you hear the gospel and the word preach you regularly. And so you think about the Old Testament pattern. You have work, worship, work, worship. And there's a cadence that goes on with that. And the Lord's Day is meant to be one it tells you that this is the marker of the beginning of your week this that tells you the week belongs to the lord is not your own and for that reason the lord stays discipline tells you that you're dedicating the entire plan and outcome of the week to the lord by giving him a full mental uh, full heart soul day devoted to him now, by God's grace, what that means is that we have the privilege to sit under the word being preached. We have the privilege to sit under the prayers prayed for the congregation. We have the privilege to uh, walk with each other and fellowship together. We get mutual encouragement for those who are afflicted. You, you, there is comfort in a, there is comfort in your affliction by your private devotions, but in a lot of more practical senses. It is the local members of the church that comfort you while you're walking through various difficulties. Sure. And so all of that is meant to say the Lord's Day is meant to be kind of a cold glass of water on a very hot day. Yes. It's meant to be the comfort, the strengthening, yeah. and it pushes you on for the remaining of the week. And it's a discipline. It's yeah. a discipline for individuals and mm-hmm. families to organize their week so that Sunday may be observed as a holy day and mm-hmm. not as an errand day or a get the rest of the work done day yeah. or a kind of Saturday with church in the morning day yeah. uh, where it's church in the morning and then everything else for the rest of the day. So individuals must discipline themselves and their schedules yeah. and their their uh, duties at home. They have to be disciplined that way. But there's also a corporate aspect yeah. to the discipline, isn't there? That's right. And of course, the elders are called to lead in that corporate discipline. And how do we do that? Well, we set up the day mm-hmm. so that God's people may observe the Lord's Day. So mm-hmm. uh, so we have a prayer meeting at 8.50 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, our congregational prayer meeting. Uh, we have uh, Sunday school at 9.30, which, of course, runs from the smallest child to the oldest adult. We have mm-hmm. classes for everyone where we mm-hmm. are thinking about Christian doctrine. Right now in the adult class, we're studying... Uh, the Apostles' Creed, and in many of the Sunday school classes are learning about the doctrine of worship and Mm -hmm. about uh, the promises of God in Genesis and Mm -hmm. lots of wonderful doctrine. And then we have public worship Mm -hmm. uh, at 1030. And then in between services, we encourage people to to gather together with hospitality, fellowship, encouragement, reading, enjoying God's nature, going for walks. Um, uh, you know, ministering to others, showing mm-hmm. mercy, those kinds of things. And then we have an evening service, which bookends the day. It helps God's people to recognize it's a day, the Lord's day and mm-hmm. not just the Lord's morning. The, the eradication of the evening service uh, in uh, so many churches today, even many 
Reformed churches, mm. sadly, has, I think, confused the people of God and, and uh, removed that corporate discipline mm. that, that we all need. That's right. I think another, uh, I'll speak personally here, another discipline that I've developed probably more over the last five years or so has been fasting. Mm. And fasting is not just an end to itself. You're not just starving yourself because you feel that you need to do so. It's not a diet plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fasting in the scriptures, when Jesus speaks about it, is connected to prayer. Mm. And one of the more basic things that I've learned kind of by doing periodic intermittent fasting is, one, how much uh, control that food actually does have in my own personal life that you know you feel hunger pains over a day or so you realize that you know your mind wanders easily not towards the lord but towards your physical needs appetites yeah but one of the things that fasting has also done uh in terms of revealing that it also teaches me that again man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god it teaches me as the christian that more than my physical needs, I have a deeper need for fellowship with God. Amen. And going through uh, fasting and the kind of intermittent basis is meant to, one, inform my prayers that it's no longer just kind of, uh, it's not centered on the self. It's centered now more on God's purposes, the church, and God's glory. But what it also has done in a very great way is that it's strengthened my prayer life. Because, you know, if you take a busy schedule uh, throughout the day and you look at the time you can carve out, you kind of could just look at the schedule and ask yourself how much time you spend eating <laughs> in a practical <laughs> sense. And for me, if I just add up breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's about an hour. And you ask yourself the question, you know, I can uh, feed myself or I can spend uh, that hour of time going before the Lord. And what it does is that it teaches you, one, that there is much more time in my day than I ordinarily thought I didn't have. And it teaches me as just a younger Christian that I have much more to grow in. But the Lord is working upon my heart to wean me off from the cares and just the uh, desires of this present age. Oh, that's really good. I remember in seminary, one of my professors, Dr. Douglas Kelly, said that... Um, that that prayer is like grabbing on to the throne of God and pleading with God, and that prayer and fasting is like grabbing both uh, arms of the throne of God yeah. and uh, and begging and pleading with God. And so, fasting is uh, a wonderful discipline that that focuses the mind on yeah. that which is most important in life. And I uh, really appreciate everything you said about fasting. So important. Uh, one of the chapters in this book that we mentioned earlier, Habits of Grace, one of the habits of grace he mentions is resolving to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Uh, now, Gabe, I know that you've committed yourself to being a lifelong learner. Uh, I've committed myself to being a lifelong learner. We could certainly always be better <laughs> at that. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I was told in seminary that you are learning right now what you are going to learn for the rest of your life. Right. And that has been so true. Uh, things are still coming together for me that I learned in seminary. And I thought, oh, okay, so that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so why is it important that we 
have this commitment to lifelong learning. You know, it's it's not an easy thing. Like all of this we're talking about, there are a million distractions, perhaps mm-hmm. now more than ever because of smartphones and mm-hmm. and social media and, and 24-hour news services and all the 24-hour sports channels. And mm-hmm. it's just a, so easy to be distracted. And in my experience as a minister, very few Christians have resolved to be lifelong learners in Christian doctrine and mm-hmm. history and, uh, and theology. Uh, that's just not even a consideration for them. Why, why should it be and how can they be lifelong learners? Well, uh, one answer to why should it be is as a Christian grows, you never want the testimony to say that you started well and finished poorly. And one of the things that tends to happen for those who do not commit themselves to uh, learning and growing in that sense is that at the end of their lives, when act, you know, when the kids are gone and you retire, there's a sense to take a vacation, not just, it's a, there's a sense of retiring, not just from work, but from your spiritual life. And you kind of atrophy <laughs> as a consequence. Yeah. And it's a very sad thing to see that in uh, certain men and men, certain men and women that uh, the zeal of the Lord was there in the early years. And then over time, gradually, you begin to see that not that their heart is drifting, but they've kind of shifted into cruise control. And that shift to cruise control usually means you slide backwards ever so uh, gently. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, it tells uh, lifelong learning prevents you in one sense from finishing your Christian life poorly. Mm. And yes. that's one to me one of the more important things to emphasize. Second thing, this comes directly from Proverbs, that wisdom is not something that is just available to you just by thinking about it. Wisdom is something you have to search for as for hidden treasure. When you grab hold of wisdom, she will guide you. She will be your life. She'll be a crown to you in your young life and your old age. And what Proverbs basically tells you is that wisdom is what you need to grab hold of. And it's not something that is automatic. It requires hard work, discipline, and pursuits. And that was the characteristic of godly men of the Old Testament. They were those who pursued wisdom. The characteristics of godly people in the New Testament, it's similar. You're pursuing the wisdom of God found in Christ. And you don't do that in a haphazard way. You need to commit yourself to saying, Wisdom is to be prized above beauty, above wealth, mm. above every other thing you can value. Entertainment, yeah. even above status and possessions. Yes. Wisdom is the chief thing. And that's why, unless you say in your mind, I'm a discipline and set my goal to that, uh, yeah. you're going to drift away from it. Yeah, so, you know, in our day, it's, it's not easy to... Uh, to be a lifelong learner. It's, mm-hmm. Things are so busy, particularly the young families raising kids yeah. and so forth. Mm-hmm. The author gives us some helpful advice. He says that we should create little windows for learning. Mm-hmm. Don't think of lifelong learning as I got to read a thousand page book in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, our mind goes to that. We start thinking of all these giant books and, mm-hmm. you know, don't think of it that way. He says, Create little windows for learning. He, he writes this. It may be only five or ten minutes of reading as you go to bed at night, or a few extra minutes of lingering over the scriptures in the morning, or listening to a short podcast as you brush your teeth, commute to work, or run errands, or maybe set a goal to read an article or two each, 
day online as a substantive site like the Gospel Coalition. Uh, or try to content yourself with keeping a bookmark in a print book or on an electronic reader as you work through a good book just a few minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going to get, uh, let's add this, you're going to get your hair cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, bring a book with you while mm-hmm. you're waiting. You're not going to pick up, you know, People Magazine or Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. You're going to yeah. read a good Christian biography. Um, when you uh, have time on vacation, you know, mm-hmm. bring a good, solid, substan- substantial book that will encourage your soul. Um, if you have time in your car from the commute, yes. get yourself an audio Bible or books on audio. Yes, uh, and there are so many wonderful podcasts. You can listen to sermons. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Peachtree City, my commute was 11 miles. Mm-hmm. And I could listen to most of a John Piper sermon. Mm-hmm. And I listened to probably a couple hundred Piper sermons uh, during my time there. And I was so encouraged to go mm-hmm. driving to and from work. Now, I could have spent that time doing a lot of different things, but that's mm-hmm. that's by the grace of God what I was able to do, and it was such an encouragement. So these disciplines of grace, these habits of grace, are so important for the Christian yes, life. And uh, I guess my prayer for our own people at Christ Church is that we would be found uh, less uh, making excuses mm-hmm. uh, for our lack of good spiritual habits and instead seeking uh, to find uh, how we can uh, better form and cultivate godly spiritual disciplines and and spiritual godly habits uh, in our lives as individuals and as families and corporately as a church. Amen. Amen. And I'll just add to the end here is that as all things, it's going to be hard work. Yes. And so... Uh, treat it as such. It's it was hard work for any person to prosper in their um, vocation and whatever they happen to do. And the same thing is true about spiritual disciplines. It's hard work. The Bible gives a lot of farming analogies for that reason. That's not easy stuff to do, but the farming analogy works well because the diligence and applying it day after day mm-hmm. is what yields the fruit and the profit. And so, uh, our encouragement would be to Take the time to, you know, do the actual hard, disciplined work for the purpose of godliness. And can I just say that this is not undermining the gospel. Amen. It's not undermining grace. We're not talking about legalism here. We are talking about as those who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, wanting to walk with God mm-hmm. and, and growth. And that takes effort spiritually spiritual effort holy spirit enabled effort by grace and so uh, we're not saying that this is earning our ticket into heaven Mm -hmm. by living this way but uh, as we are saved by grace wanting to live for the glory of god and to grow as christians we know we must develop habits of grace amen well we thank you for joining us today for this conversation and we look forward to talking to you again